like to just be free to just offer myself in whatever way that I can. I think along with that would be courage to Mm -hmm. just to be able to give voice to what God has shown me, you know, and insights and experiences and understandings of the world and the way it works. I am positive that at my freest, this has been a recent learning for me, almost always the way I am sent in that place where Josie Mm -hmm. (laughs) invites us to is in a very hidden way. Hi, friend. Welcome back to part two of my interview with my sister, Tamara, who is a spiritual director, a mom of four, grandma to one, and wife to Brian, an Anglican priest living in Connecticut. Before we dive back into my conversation with Tamara about calling and the challenges and gifts of living into our calling in every season of life, I wanted to let you know that I've added a link in the show notes that will take you to a helpful description of what spiritual direction is. I know I was unfamiliar with the role of a spiritual director until just a few years ago, so I imagine that there are some listening who are unfamiliar as well. If you're curious, I hope the linked website is helpful, but please reach out if you want to learn more. And now, Let's continue with part two of my chat with Tamara about her own journey of calling and the way she helps others on theirs. Listen in. As you think back on your journey of calling, one of the things I was thinking about related to calling is that I think some of us have been given the wrong idea, and I think I had the wrong idea, that it would be a lot easier (laughs) than it has been. And yet when I think about a journey that's brought me here, I can remember a lot of challenge and a lot of heartbreak even along the way. And I'm just curious what you would say some of the biggest challenges have been as you've journeyed. I I thought about this quite a bit since you asked the question, but I'm not sure that I thought about it uh, as explicitly before. So this, this could change, but what I, what I would say right now is that one of the first challenges is just a generalized shame or a sense of inadequacy or a sense even of incompetence or smallness, not in a holy way, Mm. but in, 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 um, shame sort Mm -hmm. of way. So just sort of presuming that anything I would think of as something I desired or something that I might be skilled at having this sort of reflexive, yeah, but Mm -hmm. attached to it, or, you know, that's for other people and not, not for you, not for Mm -hmm. me. And and some of that, and so some of us generalized shame. And then because of the story of my life, there's some particular places of shame too, Mm -hmm. that certainly creep up. Just fear of being recognized in ways that are um, ways that I can't trust, you know, not, not being sure who I can trust and, and particularly people in, you know, positions of authority or something like that. Well, that really 
you know, that's a challenge when, Mm -hmm. when you're wanting to grow and learn and become. So I would say shame. And then another would be lack of resource and, and the shame related to lack of resource. So, um, and an essay I wrote once that I revisited before we talked today, I remembered, um, our parents, you know, work journeys and the ways that they, their journeys of stepping into their own callings and how they worked all kinds of jobs at different times. And while I am so grateful for that sort of scrappy work ethic, I also lament in their story and mine, the um, lack of like financial resource Mm. that made things like getting certain kinds of education or pursuing certain kinds of just work work help <laughs> um, mm-hmm. made it quite limited. So that was connected to wealth, but also just like we were from a smallish town. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I learned even watching, you know, moving into a bigger urban area, how I missed so much about our small town life that I grew up in, but also became aware like, wow, there is a difference in resource that's available in mm-hmm. these two different settings. So some of it is financial resource, some of it is educational opportunity, and some of it is just networks of people that you get to know when you step mm-hmm. into higher levels of education, higher levels of wealth, and, and you know, bigger cities even. So mm-hmm. that absolutely had an effect as a challenge. I'm grateful for my story, and I love my story, and the ways that my children are sort of living into the story, and the ways our parents lived into the story. But I, I think there are certain parts of it that could have been and maybe even should have been a lot easier um, if, if the systems around us were more helpful in some ways. So mm-hmm. I'll just name that. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wonder how many people are unable to fully live into calling because of those yeah. kind of things. Yeah. So there's a grief there. Yes. And I recognized. Absolutely. And as I say that, this is not a, but it's an, and, and there were things that I, I feel and can see I was naturally wealthy in, like having a generally supportive family, you know, and, um, and even the opportunities we had to go into different cities and do different work. That's because there was some kind of a network available to us through the church. Honestly, even though I'm not talking always about church work, that provides this amazing community of people mm. that helps you. So when I'm in Austin trying to find a job, I have this community of people that's noticing mm. me, seeing me and helping me. So I, mm. I recognize that there was a wealth in that too. Mm-hmm. But Feels like how it should be. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A third challenge would just be, I didn't know if I should call this lack of discipline or over dedication to comfort. So just, you know, fear of other people's opinions and the way that might make me uncomfortable or not being able to focus instead of really diving into a project or something sort of, you know, just not doing that Mm -hmm. (laughs) watching television Mm -hmm. instead, for example. Mm -hmm. So that definitely creeps up in my life more than Mm -hmm. I'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I've come to think of our journeys of calling as our ways of living into who God designed us to be. And so some of that means that we need some things healed in us in order to do that. Some of that means that we need to overcome some things in our life Mm -hmm. or to learn better habits. Right. Mm -hmm. So, well, uh, your whole, your whole work, Kaylee, is those two categories. mm. 
the two categories of helping people pursue wholeness and also helping people pursue, you know, just being able to do goals that feel hard in manageable ways. So, yeah. So there is a gift in having experienced that for myself also, and I'm hearing you say that too. Now you have been a spiritual director for how long now? Um, I be, I was two years an intern that started in 2017 and then I graduated and began my own practice in 2019. So okay. is that about five years total Okay, into my sixth year, maybe. So that's been a joy to watch that unfold in your life and just to see how it's so interesting how, even though we didn't know this was a job, yeah. like I just see how uniquely you are designed for this calling and love imagining what it looks like for your directees. And I think spiritual direction is also a role where we are helping others discover Mm -hmm. their callings as well. Is that, has that been the case for you? And what does that look like for you? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the foundational practices, spiritual practices for callings is um, discernment Mm. and discernment at the root is learning how to listen to God and listen to our own selves and listen to others. So Mm. I would say that at one level or another, everyone who is meeting in direction is developing that muscle of Mm. being able to discern. Um, And then, yes, then there are times and, and specific seasons where folks will come either it's somebody I meet with regularly and they just enter a season where for a while our every conversation will be around a specific area of discernment you know like that revolves around their calling other people will come to me just for that alone I had a directee not too long ago who was needing to make an unexpected cross-country move in order to help her family with something And so she just met with me for a few times just to navigate the grief of leaving something behind, the fear of entering something new and, and trying to understand like, what was God going to offer her in this new place? Other folks have reached out um, on very concrete things like they're, they want a a new job or something, and they really want to pursue God's direction for them in that. So Mm. I think it, it shows up in one level or another with everybody, but then there are times when it's really specific and pointed. Hmm. I'm thinking about, I did a podcast recently called Live the Questions, which comes from poet Rainer Maria Rilke, I think is how you say it. My experience being in spiritual direction has been that, like it's an opportunity to have someone help me live the questions that are stirring and a safe place to come back and share whether it worked or didn't work and what I learned. And I didn't know I needed it until Mm -hmm. I experienced it. Um, So that's what I was picturing as you were describing that, just you helping people to live the questions. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah. And I can see for you, Kaylee too, and hopefully people can see this for me, that as someone who receives spiritual direction, what you learn in that space, you offer to everybody, you know? Mm. So there's this multiplying effect mm. from it, this, you know, learning that in that safe space of direction. 
that you can share with others is really mm-hmm. powerful. May it be so. Mm-hmm. There's a quote in Parker Palmer's book, Let Your Life Speak, that's that says vocation or calling at its deepest level is this is something I can't not do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious what you think about that quote. Do you see that in your own calling story and in the stories of others? I do. Yes. But not in the ways that I would have imagined, you know, at surface level, when I hear that quote, for me personally, I feel like so much more of the work of discerning callings has to do with um it's more about being than doing which Mm. is a phrase that maybe many of us have used or heard and that might be the simplest way to say it and so um something I can't not do for me sometimes that has to do with an actual skill or an actual like for example as a writer you know for, for the rest of my life, I'm going to read and write, whether I do that, I, that'll be part of my calling, whether I'm doing that, you know, in an official capacity or not. So in that regard, yes, I, I totally relate to Parker Palmer's statement. What I've learned though, it's more about like, um, just who I, who I am as a beloved being and how I navigate the world and interact with the world from that place of belovedness, mm. which I don't mean to make that sound really fluffy. I mean, it's seriously, like when I am um, taking walks through my neighborhood, what stirs up in me at the most natural level? Like, what are those things? Or when I'm standing, you know, after church on a Sunday, <laughs> what am I most drawn to and what am I most resistant of? Like, mm. what, what are those things telling me? And sometimes they're telling me, okay, this is an invitation to mature and grow. But even then it's telling me something about who I am and who I'm made to be and what my desires are. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've read enough of Parker Palmer to think he probably means a lot of that too with that statement, but it was hard for me to answer that just at, mm-hmm. at a simple level. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Another quote I shared recently in a podcast episode was from Oz Guinness. That was talking about our first calling is to someone before the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what you're talking about when you talk about our sense of belovedness. If we don't start there, then the work doesn't matter or the work, maybe that's not a good way of saying it, but we need to start there (laughs) essentially. Yeah. And then see what flows out of that. Mm -hmm. Does that Mm -hmm. sound right? It does. And another quote is coming to my mind now from Dallas Willard is you're becoming who you will be forever, Mm. which I think is related because it's emphasizing on that being the other piece that just gives me so much rest, um, is that there's a way in which I'm being formed for eternity. Right. And so I want to practice whatever God allows me to practice now, but I don't have to, I don't have to get it all right Mm. now that I can just keep growing into toward God and toward the self that he's created me to be and trust that in some way for eternity, this will continue to develop. Mm. So there's a lot, a lot of peace in that too. Yeah. I was thinking of the word freedom as you're talking about yes. that. That feels like freedom to me. Yes. Which I like that. Yep. Yes. So I do know that calling is a topic that's been near and dear to your heart for a while. Um, you even have a section of your blog 
that's dedicated to calling stories, which I'll put a link in the show notes when we're done so people can read those. I love the stories. I love how the stories, um, you know, they're, they're beautiful, also very ordinary, many of them. And that's beautiful in and of itself. Also familiar with a site that you helped in its early stages called All Called, Mm -hmm. which kind of helps people with reflection around calling. Mm -hmm. What is it about this topic of calling that you're so drawn to? I think that it connects just to the energy, so much energy in my own life of trying to understand who I am and who I'm made to be and what the work God has given me to do. And for that to feel like something that I'm always arriving at, I'm more settled in that answer than I've ever been, Mm -hmm. but just an awareness that it's, it's a, it's like a big question. My husband, Brian says, um, you know, with our church, like the three essential questions that humans are asking is who am I, what am I made to do and where do I belong? Mm -hmm. And so think I'm drawn to that just because of the universal nature. Like it, it's a commonality mm-hmm. in my own life and with others. And that appeals to me. I also think that it's a little bit of a hopefully a holy resistance mm. to sort of the era that you and I grew up, I'm going to say like the eighties and nineties, where there was a lot of attention given not just in church settings, in education settings and everywhere that there's like this one big thing that each of us is called to do and it's going to change the world and we just have to find out what that one thing is and then do it with all our might and then we can feel good about our lives which I'm I'm being a little bit sarcastic (laughs) with that description but so much stress to me that I picked up along the way with those kinds of questions and so many ways that that did not bear healthy fruit in my life that I feel like almost this subversive kind of drive to be Mm -hmm. like, what's a different way we could ask this question? And so I think, for example, the website I'll call, it's a project from an organization called Vibrant Faith Ministries, and they were just trying to encourage people everywhere that all human beings who are made in the image of God, which is all human beings, have, have something about them that is uniquely qualifies them in an area of goodness and good work and but not Mm. not just not just like salaried work but like what they do with their lives who am I what am I made to do where do I belong and so it really appealed to me that they were talking to people in all walks of life people who who would call themselves Christians people who wouldn't and then also they they have a special emphasis which I'm really drawn to of paying attention to seasons that wouldn't that don't logically lend themselves to a question of calling. I think in a, in a shallow or a truncated understanding of calling, we're picturing somebody who is adequately resourced in prime condition, maybe in their best season of life, pursuing like at college level or at post-college level. But the truth is like, one of the questions I ask all the time is, does someone with dementia have a calling? And what, what does that look like? What does their calling look like? Hmm. What about when we're grieving deep loss? What does calling look like there? And so understanding that all of us are living sort of in and out of, uh, we're we're made to be this essential person, but we also are coming in and out at all times of various 
callings, you know, mm. roles and relationships and work and seasons. So I, I'm really drawn to that too. And so I tried to reflect that in my calling story. So that's why I hope I'm thrilled that you notice that some of them are just very ordinary. I want us to understand that ordinary is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. God mm -hmm. meets us so beautifully in those places. So I love that. I was thinking also about how I think another focus in our environment growing up was that calling was something that we do in ministry, overseas, yes. in a pastor's position yes. or pastor's wife's position, right? Yeah. And th that, was, that can be true, yeah. but what about the rest of us that are not in those positions? So that's such an important point you're making. And probably it's maybe the first point that many people need to start at because I think you're right. I think calling has gotten attached somehow to ministry work in ways that maybe aren't helpful. So yeah. I'm glad that, that you brought that up. Yeah. So just to kind of end our time together, I was thinking about how, so the title of this podcast is me when I'm free, which actually you helped me to hone in on that title in the development stages of the podcast. And actually I did not think about this until I was thinking through our conversation, but when this episode airs, it's going to be the one year anniversary of the podcast. I didn't realize that. So that feels so special to me. I'm so glad it happened to work out that way. You'd think I would have known that, but I didn't. So I was going, the reason I thought about that is because I was going back to my very first episode and saw when it aired. And in that episode, I share a story of when our family went up to upstate New York and visited Wes's family and his brother now lives in the farmhouse where Wes grew up and it's on 80 acres and it was a wintry day, but we all put on our hats and coats and gloves and climbed up the mountain together. Uh, mm -hmm. Such a fun memory, but one of the things that I remember with a lot of joy is our dog Josie on that walk, you know, we live in the suburbs. And so you're always on a leash here. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have a whole lot of freedom to run, but we took her leash off at the top of the mountain and she was in her glory. I felt like I was seeing this version of Josie that was her truest self. She <laughs> raced back and forth to the front of the group, to the back of the group. She looked like she was smiling if a dog could smile. Love it. And that image stuck with me after just watching her live into her truest self. Somehow it just kind of rooted itself in me and made me start to think about like, what does that look like for me? What does, what does my truest self look like? And so that image has been helpful to me. But I was curious if you were to just kind of close your eyes and think of an image that describes what that would look like for you, your living into your, your truest self, particularly related to calling. I feel like each one of us, based on our own unique design, it's going to look different. Mm -hmm. So what stirs for you as I ask that question? What kind of images come to mind? I love that image of Joseph so much. <laughs> I, I guess I would just have words just to describe it. I don't 
have at this point an image, um, but for sure, and, and picturing Josie helps me give language to this, like just comfortable in my own skin mm-hmm. to be free from a sense of self-consciousness to me would just be the ultimate mm-hmm. freedom mm-hmm. that I could just move in and out and about with love and joy, um, not hung up on how I'm being perceived or what other people, you know, what both on the negative side, like how they would criticize it, but also how they would recognize or affirm that work. Like to just be free to just offer myself in whatever way that I can. I think along with that would be courage to Mm -hmm. just to be able to give voice to what God has shown me, you know, and insights and experiences and understandings of the world and the way it works. I am positive that at my freest, this has been a recent learning for me, almost always the way I am set in that place where Josie mm-hmm. <laughs> writes us to is in a very hidden way. Mm. And that's counterintuitive. So spiritual direction, for example, is a very hidden work. I'm known, you know, to the person I'm meeting with, they know me and in some way recognize the work that I'm doing, but even then I'm, we're pointing toward God and I'm pointing toward them. And so one of the things I'm grappling with is like, for me, I think not being hung up on being self-conscious also means for me, that it's going to be a very hidden work that I do. And mm. I am both equal parts delighted by that and really annoyed <laughs> <laughs> at that because I think we also all like to be recognized. So thank you for recognizing yes. me, for me here today. Yes, but, my pleasure. Yeah. I think Josie will be my, you know, my freedom spirit animal. I love that. I was thinking about a Voxer message that we had recently where we were talking about that moment where you feel like I, there is no other place I would rather be than here. Like that, those are the moments that feel like the Josie image to me. Like I can't imagine having greater joy than this moment right here. And it's taken a long time to find that place. Mm -hmm. Um, I do feel hopeful that Mm -hmm. I'm heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. I know that you are. And I'm, I'm also aware we touched on this earlier, how often we need other people to help us find and, and be resourced to be in those places. So there's a vulnerability in that for sure. Ways we need each other. I have a podcast episode today. So today is the episode is do what you are. And it's all about that. So, okay. I will go listen <laughs> as soon as we're done. Thank you for affirming that. <laughs> well, Tamara, this has been delightful really... as I knew it would be, but even more so thank yeah. you so much for this. I'm curious, how can people find you online? Yes. Could you share that? And I'll also put some links in the show notes. Yep. So my website, um, which is just, I've been adding to since 2006. So it's, it's, there's a lot there, yeah. including like the calling story series that you referenced. So that's just www.tamarahillmurphy.com. So tamarahillmurphy.com. And I'm on Instagram at a sacramental life. So that's another place that, that I hang out and share things and l- try to listen to other people and share what other people are saying too. So yeah, I'll put links to that too. Yeah. 
Can I share one little part of a poem I forgot to share? Oh, I would love that. Please do. Oh, please. (laughs) This was supposed to be bad. This is a nice closing note, but it was. I will take it. Okay. I wrote a poem for your birthday a few years ago, and I'll just share this one part. When I was 15 and peeved, you were lightness and brightness and 10 and kind. Hmm. I love you. I love you too. So sweet. (laughs) thank you sister thanks for seeing me i'm grateful for you right back at you thanks for listening to this episode of me when i'm free i hope you'll continue to join me on this journey toward wholeness and calling i love a traveling companion my hope is that you'll see yourself in these stories that I share here, and if nothing else, you'll feel less alone. Click the share button on the podcast if you know a friend who needs an encouraging reminder that they aren't alone either. Thanks for listening, friend. Let's meet back here next week.